2: Hey guys, and welcome to Paranormal Thoughts Podcast, and as always, thanks for joining me. In this episode, we're looking at another UFO abduction file. The case that we're looking at today is Kelly Carhill. Before we get into that though, I just want to say if you enjoy this episode or any of our previous episodes, please feel free to like, subscribe, leave a review on the podcast, it really helps us out. Obviously, you're listening to the podcast now, so you've found it some way or another, but we are on SoundCloud, Stitcher, CastBox, iOS, you know, you name it, we're there. We have a blog, which is Paranormal Podcast at WordPress.com. Any assets, videos, pictures um, that are referenced in this podcast, you can find on the blog. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Paranormal Thoughts Podcast and we'll pop up there. And also, we do have shirts available at Teespring.com. You can check in the description of the podcast for links to that, or just go on to Teespring and literally type in Paranormal Thoughts Podcast. To find anything for us, just literally Google Paranormal Thoughts Podcast and we'll come up. Also, just want to say um, I really appreciate all of you who listen, who get in contact with me. You can do that through the WordPress blog, or you can also just email me directly at paramountthoughtspodcasts at gmail.com. Really enjoy hearing from you guys, even if it's just let me know what you think of the podcast. So if you have any suggestions for episodes, um, I'm always keen to hear what you guys want to hear. The kind of, I'm making this content for you, so I really do appreciate when you guys reach out and let me know um, what you actually think. So this is the third episode now in a row that I've done these UFO abduction file cases, and it's been interesting, and I think you guys have really been enjoying them. Um, that's at least the feedback I've been getting, and two with you know ratings and everything like that. It seems to be um, something you guys are really interested in. And I know that UFOs and more so alien abduction is quite a popular topic amongst um, the audience of Paranormal Thoughts. So more than happy, you know, to do that because it's probably, it's my favorite uh, topic to do on the podcast as well. But this week um, has actually been really interesting and the episode's coming out a bit later because I had to sort of sit on this episode for a little bit just because um, I think uh, I started researching this case and I'll talk about the case obviously in a minute, but it's quite a it's a known case, um, especially too because it happened here in Australia. And I was kind of you know I was looking at other cases to do, and there's way bigger cases obviously, but they're all sort of based in the states. And I kind of just wanted to, um, you know, do something a bit different since this is the third week in a row, so give it a bit of a different spin. It's been interesting because from the get go, I knew there was holes in the story. Um, and I'm someone who is very skeptical, but I also want to you know give people benefit of the doubt when I'm researching into cases and everything like that because I completely get it. You know, it's really hard to have had weird experiences in your life and I'm sure a lot of you listening can relate um, because you're interested in this topic but I think it's really hard for people to come forward and talk about an experience that's happened to them and have people claim that they're lying, it's all bullshit and that it's a hoax, you know, and things along that line. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of that kind of around this case. And you keep listening because towards the end, I'll actually give my thoughts on all of that. But um I want to kind of give you the facts to begin with and kind of just tell you what actually went on for this case. But I think the last few days I've been sitting on how to sort of approach this episode because once I came across, I guess the other side of what people think, about this case, um, I kind of had to think, like, do I even want to talk about it? Because I want to be completely honest and open. I don't want to be talking about things that could be blatantly proven to be a hoax, you know? Um, and that's not the case for this um, for this episode anyway, So because I still feel, feel like there is a story here and there is some form of evidence, I think. So I feel like it's worth still talking about it and we can kind of discuss all of that towards the end. So hopefully it hasn't turned you off or anything like that, but I just want to be open that this episode is going to be a bit different because of, I think, any <laughs> any UFO abduction type story we're going to cover, there's always going to be people saying it's a hoax. But this one felt um, a little more strong, Yeah, I guess, with people making those sort of comments. So let's just let's literally just hear the story out and we'll kind of go from there with it, hey? So... This case of um, Kelly Carhill, which was in, which took place on the 8th of August in 1993 here in Australia, Uh, it happened in the Dandondong Mountains, which is about 50 kilometers outside of Melbourne. So Kelly, pretty average person, you know, um, I don't actually know a ton about her background before the case. As I kind of said, there's a lot of holes um, in this sort of story. So I feel like a lot of that is kind of, I don't know, small details kind of get lost, I think, but just a detail of. Who she kind of was before then, um, didn't kind of come across um, my desk, or it didn't really come into my research. Funny enough, but normally I do start these episodes with "this is who this person was." But just kind of um, looking at my notes now, I actually don't have any of that information. So Kelly's just you know an average, um, average person getting on with her life. But her and her husband were driving home uh, on this night of August eighth. And they noticed an object several hundred metres away from their car in the air. And at first glance, they kind of thought it looked like a blimp. Um, Even though they're driving home at night, pretty sure blimps don't fly at night. I could be wrong, but it doesn't really seem like the best kind of aircraft to be flying uh, at that time of day or at that time of night. But um, as the couple drove closer towards the object, they could actually make out that it was more of a craft with these round orange lights. And they could actually see through into the orange light. So they appeared to be windows or at least glass and they could see these figures standing in the windows um, and the figures were quite tall and I guess just took on a dark kind of apparition look. Uh, and obviously, it's quite they're obviously quite a distance away so I'm not really sure how good of a look they are kind of getting but right when Kelly was processing what she was seeing and she was about to open her mouth and just say, are you seeing this? Uh, as soon as she had that thought the craft took off to the left of the car. They drove another couple kilometres up the road. They saw this really bright light in the sky. And they just explained, they, they don't actually describe it as a craft per se, but they just saw a bright light. The couple continued to drive around a corner and they could see a craft that had landed in a field. The couple pulled their car over, got out of the car and went for a bit of a closer look. Something very interesting in, I guess, the UFO case files I've been looking at recently is majority of the people get out of their car, um, willingly, you know, I'm definitely going to, I think for the next one that I do, it, I'm going to try to, I'm going to look into a case where it's people have been taken from their bedroom. The last three cases, for whatever reason, um, not purposely, but the people have been taken, I guess, not necessarily, not necessarily from the car, but they were in a car, they've exited the car. And then that's where the abduction has taken place because there's heaps of, cases obviously people have been taken from their bedroom um, but just for whatever reason um, these yeah these last few cases people have kind of been getting out of their cars willingly to get a closer look and that's what kind of Kelly said she wasn't scared at the time. she kind of just thought she knew what she was looking at you know it's the 90s by this point everyone's pretty across the idea of um, unidentified flying objects so she just thought let's just see this thing because when else are we ever going to see a UFO? What's funny, though, is that they were not the only people there that night. There was another car about 100 metres back up the road, which I'm not actually sure about the measurements there um, because later on you find out that all these people who actually witnessed the same thing um, in that field that night didn't actually interact with one another or couldn't even see one another at all. But 100 metres, I'm not sure what that is in feet off the top of my head, but look it up. Um, It's not that far of a distance that you could easily see... um, you could see another car with headlights and so on at that time, but maybe they just were not even fixated on anything else, but, you know, in the normal kind of, uh, in the normal sort of surroundings because there's a fucking UFO, you know, right there. So maybe that's the case. But either way, another car pulls up with three, um, with three people inside. Um, the male was a bank manager. He was with his wife and also a friend. And not only that, but a third car also pulled up a little further up the road again, who was a government law department worker. Funny how we know his um, career, isn't it? Um, but he he was alone and um, he obviously was further away again from the craft. So Kelly and her husband were the only two to actually get quite close to the craft. Um, the three in the other car were pulled over and they saw they kind of saw what was going on but they didn't quite have the same experience kelly reports that she felt a frequency kind of pulsating through her body which is another interesting uh thing that seems to kind of come up a fair bit is these low to high frequencies that people physically feel within their body i suppose it's those frequencies that we can't physically hear but it's more of a sensation She said it was that intense that it actually disorientated her and made her feel really uneasy. And this is the point where the fear started to actually kick in. The couple witnessed a single figure standing in front of the craft. And the figure has been reported as six to seven feet tall and quite dark in colour, almost like a black, um, similar to the silhouette they saw in the window earlier on. Uh, But a big factor of this, um, that this is actually what reminded me that I knew about this case was that the eyes apparently lit up red. Um, they, weren't, they weren't red the whole time, but once they kind of entered the field and were looking back at the being, uh, that's when the eyes actually lit up. And then not long after this, uh, several other beings also appeared in the field. Kelly states that she felt quite out of control and she no longer could think clearly. She explained she felt like the situation took on a feeling of a living nightmare. The beings started to approach Kelly and her husband. Uh, some actually broke off and started heading up the road towards where the other couples in the cars were. The next thing Kelly reports was she felt a blow to her stomach. The impact knocked Kelly onto the ground and she kind of claims that it felt like being electrocuted. She was struggling to breathe and she actually couldn't see. Uh, it kind of temporarily blinded her. I guess when you're in that much pain, um, I have heard of that, where people just, they just literally can't see for a short amount of time. The next thing Kelly remembers was a hand on her shoulder and a voice, and the voice was actually audible, and it was a deeper voice, so she kind of claims it as being male, but as we know, we can't actually know that for sure, but it was a male-sounding voice that actually said, um, would someone do something about her? She also remembers hearing another voice over by her husband, and the being told him that they had nothing to worry about, they didn't mean any harm. And obviously, Kelly's on the ground, blind and in a lot of pain, so... Obviously, that claim of we don't mean you any harm is kind of, it has no weight to it, does it? Because they've literally, in one way or another, just harmed her. So, obviously, there's a lot of panic going on right now. And this is kind of where this experience ends. So, unlike the other experiences we've sort of spoken about, um, there's no very well detailed um, mention of actually being on on board a craft or remembering any sort of memories from The actual abduction—it's—it's interesting because either way, um, what happened to them didn't just end there on that field. Because of the evidence left on their bodies and the um, the internal uh, the internal problems they had afterwards, suggests that they were taken somewhere else, or you know potentially not. Uh, I guess an abduction could potentially happen in that um, area as well. But either way, something further happened um, to these people. Next thing Kelly remembers is that she's back in the car. All she could remember was the bright light. She doesn't remember getting out of the car, seeing a, seeing a craft, or actually seeing any beings. It took a little bit for, this, for these memories to start coming back. The couple also mentioned that they can't account for about an hour and a half time. Kelly checked her body out and actually noticed that she had a small equilateral triangle, about 10 millimetres on each side that was imprinted um, just below her navel. She explains it as almost like a burn mark and it lasted quite some months uh, after the event took place uh, and then it eventually just faded. Kelly also began to bleed quite severely that night as well and she wasn't her period wasn't due or anything like that so she actually went to the hospital. When she got to the hospital, they found an infection in her womb. The doctors couldn't come to a conclusion about what actually was causing the bleeding. They ran pregnancy tests and a bunch of other things and nothing seemed to come up that was um, a regular sort of solution. The next thing Kelly also reports is that she, for the next nine months, had quite severe migraines where she was couldn't really do anything on the days where she was having migraines. And it was almost every day that she was experiencing these headaches. So that's interesting that she had this bleeding right after the event and then for nine months, Uh, Which is, you know, obviously the standard time that a pregnancy takes place. Um, She has these severe headaches. But once again, she had no evidence of being pregnant or anything kind of along those lines. Um, So I'm not sure why those things kind of line up, but potentially there was something um, that night, especially with the navel as well, as we've kind of heard with the Benny Barney Hill case with the navel, um, with the needle going into the navel was believed to be some sort of uh, pregnancy type
0: The number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.
2: Kelly and her husband were somewhat religious. Her husband was far more religious. um, And obviously he was there that night. He experienced the same kind of thing and he didn't cope too well with it. He apparently, because of his religion, he believed it to be quite demonic what had taken place. And his understanding was to just ignore it and not energize it, you know. So Kelly's here, who's had, had this quite traumatic experience, and the person she experienced it with doesn't even want to acknowledge what had happened. She then does some research and finds that she can actually reach out to some groups who might actually be able to give her a bit of a helping hand here. The group she reached out to was Phenomenon Research Australia. Now, one thing I'm going to say about this group is I can't find any evidence online of this group existing. They could have gone by a different name, might not be around anymore. Um, obviously, the 90s, sort of early 90s, um, internet was pretty pretty basic, you know, maybe they didn't have a website, um, but either way, I'm not really sure who this group was uh, or who the sort of lead investigator was or anything um, sort of along those lines, but either way, this is the group who she claims that um, took on the investigation. And also, they reached out then and then did some research through the Monash University in Melbourne, in Victoria. Uh, and once again, tried to look into this, couldn't find anything. Um, but apparently, it was to the point where no expenses, nothing was, like, money wasn't a factor with um, doing the investigation, supposedly. They went out and did a lot of field testing. They found some interesting anomalies. Uh, they found a area in the shape of a semicircle, which was quite magnetic. They found a triangle on the ground that appeared to be from the chemical pyrene, which can form naturally uh, out in the world but not in a perfect triangle shape or uh, that sort of quantity uh, in that sort of spot anyway. The researchers put ads in the local newspapers just kind of claiming, just stating that if anyone had seen any anything abnormal around that sort of time, any crafts in the sky or anything along those sort of lines uh, to get in contact with them. And a bunch of people did. A bunch of people wrote in saying that they did see um, UFOs around that sort of time. Um, but the people who were in that second car who never crossed paths with Kelly or even the car behind them with the lone man um, actually wrote in and said, hey, you're not going to believe us, but we actually experienced this. And obviously the researchers saw that and went, shit, this is the same event that Kelly and her husband experienced. So the researcher didn't actually let on that they already had someone who had the same experience. They kept it completely separate for quite some months and figured out that the stories line up. Uh, Other than Kelly having that experience of actually being thrown to the ground, the second car didn't actually have anything to do with that. But what they did find out, what they did find out was they drew identical sketches of the craft and also identical sketches of the beings. Keep in mind, when you look on the blog, the beings and the craft aren't, I suppose, a traditional sense of what a, what you might see with an alien and a UFO. They're not far off, but there they are, I suppose, uh, aspects that are quite specific to this exact case. Both women in the second car also had bleeding uh, straight after the encounter as well. And they also had some marks on their body. I don't believe it was a triangle. I believe it was more of like a three kind of a hole, not really a hole punch, but like a hole prick kind of mark. Uh, once again, jump on the blog. I'll chuck some pictures up there as well. The man in the last car, uh, who's by himself, didn't want to come forward because he actually worked in the government. Um, so it was some years after the event that he came out, um... He's still kind of unknown, I suppose, but he came back with a similar kind of thing and he actually had some marks and both women in the second car and the man in the last car actually had marks on their um, ankles where it appeared that they had been strapped um, to something. So maybe strapped to a table aboard, you know, a UFO, who really knows, uh, kind of reaching with that, but they did have similar markings, supposedly. The two women from the second cart started speaking out about their experience. They did a few radio shows, and I think they even did a lecture um, somewhere. And Kelly was unaware of that at the time, but she started writing a journal, and that was eventually published. And the book um, it only printed for a short amount of time, I believe. But the book is called Encounter, uh, and I haven't had a read. I haven't been able to read this because it's out of publishing, and it has been for twenty years. Uh, you go to buy the book, and they they're charging the uh, small price of five hundred dollars for a uh, brand new copy. Um, actually, that might even be for a secondhand copy, to be honest. But the book um, is very rare, I suppose. So uh, if you ever see that book in a bookshop, buy it, uh, have a read, then sell it because you might get uh, some nice walking around money there for that. But um, So I guess her book would be a good place to sort of start to get more of an insight. But either way, she kind of, from my reading and uh, listening to her speak about the event, I feel like everything I kind of just said there sort of summarises this case. It's an interesting case because there's a bunch of people who witnessed the same thing, supposedly. Um, There's physical evidence of marks which have been photographed and um, documented as well. So there are these bits of evidence, I suppose, that are quite strong. And, you know, for an Australian UFO encounter where, you know, it's far less reported on or known about, I suppose, and compared to the United States, it's a pretty big deal, right? Um, So why do people believe that it could be a hoax? Uh, A big one from what I said earlier, where I couldn't actually find who the fuck this investigation group was. There's no written reports Um, from any of the case, you know, from these people doing this quite lengthy and expensive investigation. People have put into their own words the reports, which are quite well written, but I don't even know if they've physically seen these reports. Um, And it's been that long that you'd assume that something would be out. The other thing too is all these people have fallen off the edge of the earth. Um, The two women who did the few radio interviews, um, they kind of gave up on it for whatever reason, kind of just became quiet. But then Kelly obviously published her book and then she kind of started doing the UFO circuit, um, going overseas and speaking about her abduction. Uh, and then once again, she kind of just went quiet. So it's kind of this weird period where, and I guess that's different from a lot of the big cases where people, it kind of becomes their lives, you know, but uh, maybe Kelly, but that's the thing, right? If Kelly did set out to do this for money, the book only published however many copies and she's not the one making $500 off a copy now because they're all secondhand kind of copies, you know what I mean? Like she would have been making peanuts, I'm sure, off whatever the publishing deal was. But potentially it could have been a, um, a bit of a stunt to make money, get some fame, um, recognition for this, you know, and that's always a big thing with the whole UFO kind of situation. Um, she does claim though that she's quite an intelligent woman and she wouldn't Herself in that sort of position uh, for ridicule and everything along those lines because a lot of people did struggle with it, Uh, obviously, you know, like her friends, family, like being very open about this kind of stuff is uh, puts a bit of a toll on your life, you know, whether or not you're going to be accepted. Maybe she didn't care. I think the other reason too is there's a lot of interesting information, but nothing else has been uncovered since. It's pretty much just like a cold case, you know, here's what happened and that's kind of it. It just kind of got forgotten about. you know, unlike the Betty and Barney Hill case or, you know, the Travis Walden case, cases that we have looked at where it's kind of, there's been a lot of research that's kind of come out and information. And sure, maybe it's because it happened in Australia that not as many resources and times there would have been put into it. But then the fact that Kelly goes on record saying that it was a very expensive and thorough investigation so they did uncover a lot, but where the fuck is any of the proof, you know? Her saying that it happened is one thing, but actually being able to see a document from a, uh, a group who have taken the time to research it uh, that we can't find, that's, that's a whole other thing, you know? Um, and once I started reading into other people having their theories to why this could be uh, a hoax, it really starts to make you think of shit, or well, it potentially could be because we're literally just going off kind of face value, this woman who was doing the sort of media um, circuit, you know, selling her story. Um, It could be false, you know, but I still always fall back on the thing of (sighs) why would you want to lie about something like this because I don't think the money is in it or the fame is in it, you know, especially now. Um, And shit, this happened, what, a bit over 20 years ago? Um, I don't know at that time if, I guess, either way, if she did fake it, I don't think it really paid off. Um, so at least she kind of didn't get away with that. Uh, and if it is true, well, it's a really great story and I think it's a really interesting one for australia Australian ufology, but I always just sort of go off that thing of uh, it is that thing of I uh, kind't you want to believe it, but also um I don't want to sit here and say because I don't know where Kelly is or what she's doing now, but I don't want to come in here and say she's full of shit um, and I don't believe her because I I think she's very convincing in her story, if you listen to any of her interviews. She's very well put together. The story, to me anyway, seems to have stayed pretty much the same the whole time. So I'm not really finding holes in that way, but it's just this thing of, well, where's everything else? Why why can't we find information on any of the other people? Like her husband's never really mentioned. Obviously, she kind of covers that saying he wasn't didn't want to talk about it because he was religious. Where are the people from the other cars uh, who've actually come forward like... You can't even really find, um, you can't find much information on them either. So it just seems like for something that it's kind of a big deal, Where where is all the evidence to back it up? But if you go face value, it's a really amazing case. You know, so I'm kind of torn. I think either way, we're not going to be able to come to a conclusion here today anyway. But I think it's just something to keep in mind. And I think, I feel like I talk about it a lot, is just be sceptical. And it's fine, you know. Um, I feel like for me, I have to be really careful because I don't like I don't want to contradict myself because I open my podcast up for people to come on and tell me about their stories. Um, and as I've said, I've had people come on and I haven't believed them, so I've cut the episode. And that's fine. But I don't want to open it up to ridiculing people for them actually coming forward, you know. So it's that fine line of what do we believe and well, can we kind of sit here? And and sure, I I feel like I could, but I'm not that sort of person. I'm pretty, I I don't know, I'm not, I guess you could say I'm pretty, I have feelings, you know what I mean? I really do feel for people, um, especially with this stuff, you know, where it's really heavy and it's really hard for people to understand and I don't just want to brush it off as um, something that can be easily explained as real or not real. You know, there's always there's always going to be stuff in these cases that could be disproven or faked, you know, but then there's also a lot that can't be explained, you know. If everything lines up from the story of them, you know, no one actually knowing one another, but then they all give the same story, if that can actually be um, proven in the sense of I would like to see the documents um, of this sort of taking place, then sure, it's a fucking great case then because that's that's awesome that people or that three different parties witnessed this pretty close up. What do you guys think? I'm at a bit of a crossroads here. Um, I think I'm going to give this topic a rest uh, since I've done three episodes in a row. I'm going to give it a bit of a rest. I want to find some different cases, um, but this one was just one that I had known about and then started to do some thorough research into it and going, oh shit, actually, this is interesting because it's quite a well-known case, I suppose, at least in Australia anyway, yet it's kind of, um, there's some holes, you know, it's very interesting. So rather than, I didn't just want to drop it and go, all right, I'll talk about something else because I kind of felt invested in it and I want you guys to know, I want you guys, you're probably better, um... Than me, it actually going out and looking. So, if any of you come across anything, or even shit, Kelly, if uh, anyone ever, if anyone knows Kelly uh, or something like that, love to, um, you know, actually speak to her and hear directly from her, her side of the story. But once again, I'm not actually sure what she's doing. I haven't done really a search into it because that's not the point of these episodes. I'm not really here to hear from these people, but I think um, I'd be more than happy to hear from Kelly. Um, or someone, you know, if you were that sort of stranger in that last car or something like that, you know. Um, I'd love to just know more about this case. All right, guys, so that was a bit of a a rant, that one, wasn't it? Kind of going on on some tangents, but I think it's all relevant, you know. Um, it's a bit difficult, I suppose, because I see myself as somewhat of a researcher, you know, because I have to research to tell you these stories. So, And I'm sure some of you consider yourself researchers as well. You know, if you literally watching a video and then you open up a new tab and start looking deeper into that. I think you're researching. You know what I mean? Like that's a researcher to me. You're not just kind of passively watching stuff, and that's fine if you are that person because I do that a lot as well. So I think there's different different people here in the audience. You know, people who do the research and people who just enjoy the content and just want to take it in. You know, I completely get that. So I think the people who are the researchers, hopefully that gives you, you know, someone to maybe go off and maybe start looking into yourself and people who just passively are here to listen um well hopefully that also gives you an idea that just because it's on this podcast doesn't necessarily mean that i'm 100 percent backing my vote in that this happened um because i want to be skeptical because i'd hate (laughs) i'd hate next week um someone to find a massive um piece of evidence that kind of goes off on either side of that and kind of going yep it actually happened dylan like what are you on about? And I go, oh, shit. Okay, I shouldn't have let my doubts get in the way. But I want to be skeptical. That's what we always got to do, guys. We always got to keep skeptical. Uh, otherwise, our this whole this whole um, topic of the paranormal just becomes. We don't want to tarnish the reputation that's already very brittle. That you know we're all kind of nutty and that we just believe anything because we're not that. Um, we love to believe in shit, and we love to sort of prove our sort of points because we're passionate about it. But we don't want to lose sight of what we're trying to actually do here, which is kind of uncover things that are unexplainable, you know? So we don't want to become um we want to be skeptical so we can actually have that so people might actually give us the day, the time of day to actually hear what we have to say. So I hope you enjoyed this episode guys. I've kind of enjoyed just expressing um some different things in this episode and it's just nice to be open with you all and hopefully you um can kind of get something out of that. But as I said earlier if you enjoyed this episode and the, our previous episodes, please feel free to subscribe, like, follow, uh, leave us a review, all of that. All of our links are below. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll catch you in another podcast episode real soon. Thanks. Bye. Hold up.